Golight presents Murder Most Irish. For time number two, it is because it's only Tuesday, and uh, we've just been talking for fifty minutes, and we don't think we recorded, and none of it recorded it. None of it. I don't think any of it recorded. That recording thing just literally popped up seven seconds ago. Welcome to this week's episode. Uh, We're glad you're here. We're happy to have you back. Thanks very much for joining. We love you. We don't. God bless you. Take care. Thanks very so much. And um, that's the end. And we hope you have, like, we honestly. We're going. We Goodbye. Had enough. We can, we've spent 50 minutes. Emma's just shouted at me for 50 minutes about Ranting. abortion. I just shouted at Sarah about abortion. What we do want to say minutes. is if you are in need of help, like, we don't know what to do. <laughs> like, Emma. Lads, I don't know what the fuck to do. Like, I don't know what to do. Uh, I know that there there's are... There's tons of charities there's people, that are uh, offering... So there there's, is, like, there's charities, charities that are that working with states you. that have, like, now officially banned abortion. Now got abortion. Um, and they're yeah, working yeah. with uh, hospitals and pl- planned parenthood facilities in there to get people out of there to get abortions. But all we can say about this scenario yeah. is it's fucking horrific. And I was saying that it's absolutely yeah. atrocious because it's been taken away from you so like there's this moment where That's you it. had it and then you yeah. don't have it and people have children and girls who are going to be brought up with no health care and that really is and yeah. all and america has like, just pretty much told everybody that the only thing they think a woman is there to do is to be an incubator for human life and nothing else and that's yep. all they that's care it. about like and, all they are and it that's the thing they've that's the way it's, I think it's always been as well like it's like that George Carlin thing I put up the other day where he was like they care they care about you when you're pregnant they don't care about you when the baby is born until they reach uh age that they can enlist for the army and then they care about you again but it is that thing where it's like we are literally just seen as these bodies that will hold a baby uh, for nine months and then after nine months there's no paid no maternity leave there's no, no health care no, there's no help with no preschool, preschool. There's, there's nothing like, there's nothing you're, you're on, on your own. own in in ireland we get obviously we get six months maternity leave it's it's subsidized yeah. we don't get full pay but we get subsidized yeah. our partners get two weeks to a paid maternity leave, leave. Right? if you're in an employer that yeah. is a better employer so my employer gives me a full year of pay if I was to have a baby, yeah, um, I if get free healthcare. Yeah. So my healthcare is completely free. I have my baby for free. I go to our national maternity hospital, and yeah. all of that is covered. And I had gestational diabetes yeah. while I was pregnant, so I went to the hospital every week and I had blood tests and all of that. We also get free classes, so we get like free neonatal classes, and all of that stuff is free. Um, we get to go to the hospital and have our babies, and it doesn't matter how long we are in for, we don't get a big bill after. It's so free. I had Lily like talk, you you have to pay to have a baby. I was in the hospital for ten days. I paid no money for it, nothing. Uh yeah. it, it is completely free. Um and then afterwards, Lily, you obviously get your maternity leave, you get a subsidized you get children's allowance. So as soon as you have a baby in the state in the state of Ireland, you get a hundred and forty euro a month, which isn't a lot, but like when you've got a brand new baby, that 
pays for nappies. Like that's a big deal. Um, and yeah, then when Everything they start going to play school, which is what we call preschool, that's free. So preschool is completely free. You get two yep. years free from the state. Um, and it's called ECCE in yep. Ireland. If you are going to send them to crash because you have to go back to work after eight months and like that's how you're going, that's expensive. But there are parts of it where you can get a tax rebate. And then as soon as they start education in Ireland, that's free. So it's like yeah. if you want to tell us, but in the United if States, if you want to tell us that like a woman's only job is to like incubate these babies and pop them out and fuck, fuck, fuck them if they die, at least have the yeah. fucking decency to look after these kids. At least have the fucking at least have systems, systems in, place. in place that says, do you know what? We don't believe in abortion. And Ireland was a country that up until very recently did not have abortion. Yeah. But Did now yeah. we do, thankfully, thank God. And it was at the mercy, it was at the mercy of numerous people dying. But particularly, unfortunately, yeah. Savita became the like voice of that movement in Ireland uh, because yeah. her story was so horrific. Yeah. America is about to have fifty thousand of those stories. And I was just about to say, are any of them going to make oh. any difference? Nope. Um, Not one of those stories will make a no. single difference and to the fact that women's rights have been completely I mean, you're absolutely, I get the civility thing and I get that we were talking about the Yes to Vote campaign, the Yes for Marriage Equality yeah. campaign uh, last week. And we were saying... Like, civility is gone. You can't... You can't re- and this is the thing. It's like people saying, you know, uh, you know... T- talk to people and explain these people do not care if you live or die their political leanings and their uh book from sky daddy is more important to them than anything else in the world they would watch you die on the road to prove a point and you need to understand that there is no speaking to these people there's no talking to them you can't talk to them they have such a set of core beliefs and values that are all evil by the way pure evil set in place that you can't speak to them. You cannot have conversations with these people because they do that thing where they're just like, are you killing babies? Are you killing babies? Are you just killing babies? And you're like, I can't speak to you about this because there's no point because you're so brainwashed, so brainwashed by the Republican National Party and by the church that you can't see past your nose. You just can't. Like, there's no point. I can't. I'm done with even trying to have conversations with these people. Like, even m- members of my family voted no on the abortion referendum. And it's so funny because I'm like, a lot of y'all should have had abortions. To be honest, a lot of y'all shouldn't have been having kids. I I will. That should have been open for you. I I don't know if I, like, I agree and I disagree. So I agree, like, with the, but I don't know if America has ever came from a place of civility when it came to politics. And so my point point in saying that is that, potentially if there was like a civility in the argument and it comes from both sides but like let's just take the high road and be like from the liberal side because that would be our side of like if maybe they considered a campaign like the repeal to a campaign where it was just about people's stories and we didn't go into the like it was really difficult not to get drawn into arguments like because we had fucking Iona Institute yeah. over here trying to like fucking overturn things just like they did with the, repeat, yeah. the vote yes at the marriage equality referendum but marriage equality um, yeah but it is that thing where their their political system is so polarized that it's literally like well I'm blue and you're red and impossible and, yeah it's so odd yeah and it? so that's really it, the thing like there are so few voices that way. within like 
the blue side that kind of sit somehow on the conservative side. And there are so few voices that are on the red side that kind of sit in the liberal side. Whereas like in our political system, like Fianna Fáil are a good representative of, they've got people that sit in their party that like are quite conservative, but they've also got people that quite sit in the same party yeah. that are really liberal. And so there is this like, almost yeah. balanced approach to things to a degree and I'm not I'm making that that's a really simplistic argument but like <laughs> yeah, it's I know, like I know, that I know. thing of like you've just said like I'm done with civility but I don't think America ever had civility in their political commentary nope. when when you have a country that is so completely and utterly polarized polarized and polarized to the point where if you're on this side you have a set of beliefs and if you're on this side you have and a set also, of beliefs if, and never the if you're on one side that side thinks you're like a moral, like yeah. immoral um, monster. monster. Like just, and the only, you're yeah, only literally. like, they just, you're painted as just like, your only role is to like tear their beliefs down and to stop them. But you know what the other beliefs. side of that is? It's, it's like, it's like how the other side of that is, how can you as a person be like, say, for example, you're a gay person, you're a person of color, you're a trans person. You, you're, so you're basically who you are as a person. You're who you are. You cannot change that. That's who you are. And you have a group of people who hate you because of how, because of who you are as a person and want to strip your fundamental rights from you as a human being. How is there civility? How is their civility? You can't look at those people and go, I'm just going to go over and talk to them. They don't see you as a person because they've been brought up in this country that is utterly and utterly divisive about everything. Any country that would argue about healthcare? So you don't want to have free healthcare? You don't want to have pay to go to the hospital? What? Like, I can't fathom that it's impossible like i'm like so somebody came to your door and was like hey man if you vote here you'll get free health care you won't have to pay for drugs and they're like no yeah. fucking you like it's it's madness like it's insanity and it's gone beyond the worst thing about it is i always say this when america sneezes the world catches the flu that's just the way it is they because of their imperialism and they are a superpower when they sneeze the world catches a flu so all this is happening in america and as i was saying to sarah jane a little while ago there's stuff happening in poland as well at the moment that i can't that is draconian at this point and borderline nazi behavior in that they are taking uh, making a pregnancy registrar which is basically they're putting the names of every single woman in that country uh woman however you identify you person with the uterus um and putting it on a list to say that you're pregnant and they're like, we're just doing this because um, we want to have records and make sure, no, you're doing this so you can check that a woman is pregnant and then nine months later, make sure that baby yes. is born. That's what you're checking because then if the baby isn't born, it's like, where's the baby? Uh, you're going to jail. So that's what's happening in Poland and that's kind of been overshadowed at the moment and the women that are fighting for their rights in Poland are fucking incredible, amazing women um, and amazing men are involved as well and trans people and, um, you know, everybody. Um, but I just don't want to forget that there's horrific things happening in Egypt at the moment. Everything is awful. Women are just, we're fucked, lads. Like, what the fuck are we meant to do here? I, I don't, I don't understand. I don't get it. I'm just so sorry to the people, to the people in America. Like, I don't even know. Like, I was also saying to Sarah Jane before this thing randomly started recording. I got a message from a girl on Instagram. I'm not going to mention your name. Don't worry. Um, but she apologized to us because she... Was it my mom messaging you again? It's Caroline. 
dirty bitch, dirty bitch. Uh, I got a message <laughs> uh, from a lovely lady who lives in America. I believe she's Irish. She's married to an American lady and they have two daughters. And she emailed or messaged us to apologize for canceling her Patreon, which is six euro a month, um, because she is keeping her money because she is concerned not only about Roe v. Wade, but she's concerned about her marriage being completely and utterly annulled and removed from her because that's where they're coming after next. One thousand percent. And that's not fear mongering. It's not scare mongering. They are coming after um, marriage equality next. Can I just uh, say to that? Please don't ever apologize. Yeah, ever. that woman. Um, like if she needs help, let us know and we'll do something. Like we'll do Please. something. Like if you're if you coming back home, to Ireland, I already said you want to come home, let us know. We'll, we'll definitely yeah. do something where like we can fundraise. We'll help. We can we'll help. like... Um, We'll, you know, we'll help. Like my mom works in the school. Like anyway, we can. Yeah, help. we'll do whatever but, needs like, to be done. And that's the thing. It's like she has two kids who are American, and that's their lives, and that's where they grow up. And then there's that thing where it's like I might have to take you out of here because I don't have, I don't have any rights. Like my rights are gone to be with your other with your other mum. But also, and her rights to her children would be gone. Her children be gone as well. Like people don't understand the damage this is going to do. But here's the thing, Sarah Jane, they don't care. They want the damage. They want the damage. They are celebrating the damage. They are celebrating women's fear and pain and deaths and the tearing apart of families. They're celebrating this right now. This is joyous to them. But they were quiet when 13 kids were shot up in a school in Uvalde a couple weeks ago. They were quiet about that. All they cared, all they did was thoughts and prayers and don't take our guns away. But actual women who were like if I give birth to this baby I'm going to die they're like well fuck yeah. you or if 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 marriage quality is taken away I have no rights to my children well mm-hmm. fuck you but they're to watch people celebrate pain and hurt and anger and fear and death and these people call themselves yeah. Christians I can't I can't fathom any of it I don't understand like I like and then, then, then because this has happened, they've moved away from the gun control issue. So they got that as well. They got that shoved aside. So that's gone now. Like, that's gone. We're not going to talk about any, that anymore. Now it's Roe v. Wade. And Ro- when the Roe v. Wade kind of calms down, it'll be marriage quality and that will be gone as well. Like they asked a senator the other day um, if he believed that uh, interracial marriage should be struck down it was, what was the name of the the one loving versus i can't remember the other was but the, basically that that case that passed that got interracial marriage legalized in the united states and a journalist asked the guy if he thought that that should be gotten rid of too and he was like mm, well i mean it's up to every state yeah i've seen that as opposed to the answer which should no. have been absolutely no and you know i was saying to sarah jane as well before that um i was watching a uh thing from outside the capital steps of this senator dumb fucking bitch who was giving a speech about abortion we're killing the babies and she quoted hitler hitler and people were like yeah she said as hitler was right about one thing uh the youth are our future what he meant by that was that we're going to turn them into soldiers to kill all the jews yeah that's what he meant by that. And she's like, the children are the future. Bitch, I hope you get hit by a bus when you walk down these steps. Like, I can't do this anymore. And people were like, yeah, I'm a good. People on TikTok celebrating it. People on Instagram celebrating it. People everywhere celebrating the fact that women's, women's rights have been taken from them. And they're fine with it because they don't care. Because Sky Daddy loves them and he's going to take them. Sky Daddy. Sky Stop Daddy. Stop marrying. 
Stop marrying your fucking my, cousin. My you stepdaddy daddy don't want to. He going to come down. My goddaddy loves come down me. He's going to come down. He's going to take me to heaven. He's going to take me to heaven. And all of my children are going to come. I think what it is, you know, we take we take the piss out of American stuff, like because it's natural to take the piss out of America. Like again, we take the piss out of America because it's stupid. It's stupid, but we don't want to see this happening to anybody. What I mean about the stupid thing is like the sky daddy thing is stupid. It's stupid. It's like idiotic. Like if you think. Like, it's by you, it's like, there was people in the streets that were, like, kissing, like, they were kissing their husband. They were like, we did a great thing today. And I was like, no, you didn't. You've just, like, how? how? No, you didn't. You did shit all. You did nothing. You just killed so many women. And you think Sky Daddy's coming down to be yeah. like, what a good job. Hey, I'm like you. Like, I'm, I'm a Yankee, too, and I'm a Sky Daddy, and I'm going to take you to space yeah, now. Yeah, but it's so creepy the way, you know, all those, like, uh, dead-eyed children of the corn-esque straight couples standing outside signs being like we'll adopt your baby no no I don't want my baby because you're you. clearly serial killers and nobody wants your fucking shitty adoption like nobody wants that no child wants to be adopted by your creepy ass tell me conspiracy theory is they've brought this in so they can adopt all the babies and then they're going to grow as like a like they they will essentially as, as a majority and they'll be the majority and then what's going to happen is the uh, what's that book that came out that everybody was like this is like that book where the ladies wear the red cloaks oh, like that's going to gonna happen and I was like uh, you're not wrong good like, like it's 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 every day is like uh, I don't know uh, what's what's a nightmare today this great okay like Ugh, anyway, I don't even know, lads. I'm seventy so sorry, minutes like... in. Shut up! <laughs> you shut up! Shut your fucking uh, cake How long is this episode? Well, going it's going to be long. But uh, let's talk about some good things that happened this week. So me and Emma went out for Pride. We had some no. Defontaine's pizza. We had no. a great time with a little techno bop we in did. the pizza shop. Uh, Burned the roof of my mouth off myself. By the way, I woke up the next morning. And there was a piece of hanging off, hanging down from the pizza. It's the hottest pizza. Defontaine. Well, that was man. hot because we got a big pie, so they had to make fresh. No, but the last time I went, I went to Duran Duran, I went to Defontaine's and we were trying to eat the pizza and I was like, this Too is, what? this is fucking torture. Like, it's so hot, but it's um, So we went there, we went to Defontaine's. Oh, we, we paid 149 euro for all the drink we had and there was only two of us. So you can all imagine how drunk we were. <sighs> um, like, we were fucking <laughs> locked. Like, I'm, the videos Locked. and I sent to Graham yeah. and I was like holy Jesus okay, and Graham was like, <laughs> Graham was like yeah. and then Graham said the sweetest thing when I came home he was like I love when you go out with your friend and you have a good time we were very 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 drunk but it was a great day and ev- and everybody so was nice and happy, happy and, happy and pride. it was nice to be in that yeah. atmosphere Happy Pride, everybody. We hope you had Happy a lovely Pride. Pride. And um, I don't know. Um, I don't know either. We did say at the beginning know. of the recording that we didn't record, that we thought might be recorded, that we're recording this podcast might because be. I'm in Belfast. She's in Belfast, so we're on Squadcast, the Squadcast, um, and we probably will be on the Squadcast next week because I'm going to Scotland to yell at my boyfriend for being a man. I'm sure that will happen. Um, and the then, put the yeah, in my vagina. We need to have a baby. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sarah has house, house yeah, well, housekeeping. Yeah. 
I know. It's not really. It's just about like this. There's a guy that follows us. His name is Dizzy on Twitter. And he was saying he was. Dizzy, Dizzy, Dizzy. Dizzy. He's a DJ. DJ Dizzy. Just mm-hmm. like T Breezy. Oh, I can't turn in T Breezy. T Breezy. T Breezy. Oh, do we have to do? We have to give a shout out to yeah, Tiernan so again. We gave a shout out to Tiernan in the original. I don't know if it recorded, so we'll give him another shout out now. Uh, he told me to say something cool about shout me. out to Tiernan. I don't have anything cool to tell you about Tiernan. <laughs> ah, Sarah. One thing. Um. Nope. One uh, thing. He, Come on. He wants to dye his hair blonde. Uh, he's a very nice person. He's he wants to dye his hair blonde. Um, and he thought that was cool. So, you know, we'll give him that. Um, I mean, listen, don't we all do that? True. We do all do that. Where is he he's from? He's from Tyrone. A great GAA and town. He's a, he's a big godhead. Uh, he's a, he's big a really, guy. like, the thing I've, I always tell him, our, really, our friendship makes no sense. Like, it's on, honestly, <laughs> I don't understand how it works. When he's I think like about this. it, he's Anthony Scalia, and I am Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and it's nonsensical. <laughs> and it shouldn't it shouldn't, it shouldn't work, work but it does. he just winds me up and I just wind him up and then at the end of it I'm like do you feel better and he's like no I feel worse and I'm like yeah I feel worse and then we just leave yeah, separate see, that's, yeah. um, it, it kind of is but like we're both getting nothing out of it and talking hey, about fucking aren't we all toxic um, aren't we all but his big to fame is no. that his penis can uh, touch the bottom of a Pringles can allegedly <laughs> I would personally um, need confirmation of this but I don't need to see you can just show it to Sarah I don't want to see your penis but if you want to show it to Graham Tiernan, and then listen. Graham can tell me show it to Graham get Graham a picture but also send Graham I a dick pic in which isn't could you imagine do you know that that image is making me want to vomit because I know if a man did that there'd still be like little crumbs of the bottle of the Pringles can and his penis would be stuck to the crumbs like that's the vileness of a man do you know what I mean you just be like, put my penis in here. No, don't ever, don't ever send your penis in your Pringles can. Whatever you want, just ever. don't send it to people unsolicited. Don't send it to me. Don't ever send it to me. What are you reading out? What, so here's what the housekeeper. So, Dizzy, the DJ, said he was listening back and came to the episode that was released after the murder of Ashling Murphy. He said, hearing the anger and distress in Emma's voice was heartbreaking, but you were both so right that it would just be a hashtag and then forgotten. The media, the politicians react to an event, but they aren't proactive to protect women. It's now over and the outrage has died down. I was DJing in a well-known hotel bar this weekend, not too far from where you live, because he knows where we live. Um, I watched a mother and a daughter having a great time on the dance floor when two creepy men started to dance to them. They made the women really uncomfortable and they sat down. The men disappeared, so they started dancing again. The men got back up again and approached the women. And I, and oh my God. I then approached the men and told them they were making the women uncomfortable. I got a load of abuse, but they went away. I approached the bar, a supervisor at the bar, and a kid of about the age of 19, 20, and explained, and he said, they're doing no harm, they're only having fun. The lads came back again to the dance floor and started to harass the women once again. I called security over the mic, and they said there was nothing they could do. Management told me to leave it. The husband and father of the dancers got up and warned the two men to sit down, or he wouldn't be responsible for what he did. The two men got aggressive with security there. They told the two men to sit down so the security then told the father and the like brother of these two women to sit down they sat down finished their drinks and then brought and then bought 
bought more with no issue so they like went and had another drink the women's feelings were like totally ignored they couldn't enjoy their night out because of these creeps and the hotel management basically ignored them eventually one of the men that wasn't that was like just harassing these women was vomited all over the table and only at that point were they asked to leave sickening to be honest and as the daughter said so the daughter spoke to dizzy and she said it's not unusual women have to deal with this on most nights out the women that i'm speaking about were travelers um and they said that they had responded that if they had responded that they would have been thrown out because of the community oh there would have been twenty thousand guards swarming the place of that and he just said it just he messaged it because messaged it to us because he just thought like nothing's changed and nothing's going to change and people don't want to help one. No. Well, I will. No. First of all, you're awesome and thank you for helping those ladies. That's incredible. Second of all, um, these same bars and restaurants and companies would be putting up posts being like, respect women. We love women. Blah, blah, blah. But then when something like this happens, they're like, no, it's not a problem. Just boys will be boys because these industries are ran a lot by men and they don't give a fuck. Yeah. They don't care. And also, I'm sure the fact that these ladies were travelers was another reason that they yeah. were being ignored. So that's a triple threat so right it's there. not really housekeeping, but it was just an interesting... Well, it wasn't... It's not it's even important. interesting. It's important. Like, it's just a... No, it is interesting. It's incredibly important. Like, in the fact that, yeah, Ashling's case is not coming before a jury until June, I believe, of next yeah. year. So... That would tell me that there's probably, like, just... the... They don't want the bias in the court. Like, there's going to be bias anyway, but I think of, like... Yeah. Know, Coming guys anyway, um, giving a time is probably a smart move in particular, but but like the you know it's as you were saying that stuff dies down, and then the other night in the UK there was a twenty-five-year-old woman beaten to death on a road. Zara Alina is the lady's name. Um, she was a law graduate. Sorry, beg your pardon. She was thirty-five. She was found near her home, beaten to death random attack no reason so they arrested a man on suspicion of her murder um a 29 year old man uh she was expended with extensive head injuries at 2 44 a.m on sunday by a passerby just beaten to death um so it's not it's not it hasn't stopped hashtags are not going to stop this um your performative activism with your little instagram fucking posts are not going to help and this that, that, nothing's going to help this until we tackle the issue part of the problem why things don't change because people yeah. and celebrities yeah, like people follow like people celebrities just, send out these hashtags and it's like what do you think this hashtag is going to do like what we need is reform what's we it going to do legal reform like we need laws and yeah, protect we women. Legislate. We need to legislate. Yeah. Like do it. And like I just, I think yeah. honestly, part of the problem. And I know that like we're involved in that, but like that is part of the problem. Be yeah, like, oh, I've done my bit, and it was really easy because I did it while I was getting my nails done down in the salon, and it didn't. Yeah, they literally just retweet a hashtag and then all yeah. their fans are like, oh my and god, kind king, oh my god, yeah. woke king. I'm like. What have you done? You've done, and at the end of the day, to be perfectly honest with you, I've gotten to the point in my life as well where I would prefer celebrities to shut the fuck up because I can't deal with them. So that that other side of it, no, where people I are like, "Oh, they're not showing the support," and then I'm like, Who? "Oscar Isaac, I would like him to keep doing whatever it is he's doing." I knew you watched that because you're a dirty bitch. I knew you were watching that because you're a filthy bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I was like, "You think this woman's watching this for the plot?" 
No, she is not watching it for I'm the plot. talking about the plot. No, actually, do you know what I will say? I didn't see anything. No. <laughs> I had it saved on my Sky Go. Um, and I started Do you remember when I was hungover? I was like, What's it's it called, called Scenes from a Marriage. Um, and it's... Scenes it's from Marriage. Made, it's, it's a play. So it's, a, it's, it's filmed as right. a play. And you see them... Like okay, and yeah, you yeah. see them walk on set, like it's quite unusual how it's made, how it's filmed. But it kind of takes. See that mm-hmm. bit where you think you're saying I'm watching it for the filth mm-hmm. of it. That kind of is taken out of it because you know they're in a room full of people, and that mo like that thing of like you, yeah. this isn't your imagination. This is actually a play where you know they've walked into a room and they're um, yeah. so. Which I kind of appreciate because it's not like gratuitous for the sake of gratuitous, gratuited. Gr- you know what I'm trying yeah. to say. Um, Gratuity. Two yeah, of them yeah, yeah, yeah. are fucking phenomenal. And it is so intense. But I tell you what, he could say whatever he wants. Like, <laughs> whatever he wants to me. I want everyone. I, just, I, I was I was meant to watch it a while ago, actually. And then I was like, I just it's very, her. very. It's like when I watched that divorce. You know, the one with Adam uh, Driver and the man you love. Adam Driver and the other one. I watched that entire film and I was like, Oh my god, straight people! Like, like the entire I time, I was like, "Shut up!" Mo- like I always watch those types of movies. Like it's one of those things that I do no, by myself. No. Like I don't, it, I don't enjoy. I wouldn't enjoy watching it with other people. But I like those like kind of like yeah, melodramas yeah, yeah, yeah. that are about like actual things that happen in people's lives, which kind of feel very honestly yeah. like nothing is happening because you when you watch a movie or yeah, watch a yeah, show, yeah, it's yeah. about entertainment usually. But these are actually like. I find them because I don't, I, I can't read. My ADHD just doesn't allow me. And I find they're like these <laughs> like stories. Do you know what I mean? It's a story about yeah. like a person yeah. or people's life. So I enjoy them, but they're both of them are fucking fantastic in it. And there is one particularly like rotten. Oh yes. Give it to me, daddy scene. But they're in a room full of people and you know that and it feels very much like mm, well that kind of like how did you do that in front of people mm, yeah that's wrong like <laughs> yeah I always find when people have to do those sex scenes I'm like how are you he licks his hand but I was there's and that's thing. the big thing there oh that's fucking disgusting I'm gonna get your dirty fucking terms away from me you scumbag where's that hand been I know the hand has not been washed for at least four days get away from me have a fucking UTI in 20 seconds I swear to god anyway would you like me to tell my story? Hey, Colin, tell us about the Patreon. Sure thing, Lily Pops. Hey there, MMI fans. It's me, Colin, and do I have news for you. It's all going down over at www.patreon.com forward slash Irish, where we've totally revamped our Patreon offering for you mega fans. That's right. Now all of your favorite Patreon stuff can be found in one place as we bring you our MMI Super Show exclusively for Patreon, featuring all the usual banter and chat between Emma and Sarah Jane, plus me thrown into the bargain, along with Lily's Tales, Maximilian's Bell Bag, and some surprises along the way. But that's not all. Every single week, due to popular demand, we will be bringing you a full-length story, whether it be Miscellaneous Most Irish for those cases that just don't fit on the main show, Murder Most international for those cases you guys have been crying out for or even music most awesome where we talk about our favorite albums but wait there's even more how about mmi drive the fan favorite podcast show where emma and sarah jane drive around dublin talking about all sorts of shite plus our monthly ask me our segment where you get to 
pick the brains of the girls and maybe even ask me a question or two. So what are you waiting for? Come on over to www.patreon.com forward slash Irish and join in the fun for only six euros a month. Give my mommy six euros. Uh, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> so I had two stories done for this week and one story was like... Um, was quite like an not like not an easy going story. It's just too short. You know when you do a story and you get like I got six pages. I got yeah, 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 six yeah. six pages out of it. And I was like, I just there's not enough in that. But I was going to tell yeah. a story, and we might yeah. record it because I've got it done. If you want, I was going to tell the story of Kellyanne Corcoran. Sure. Then the other story is the big one, which is Bloody Sunday. Bloody Sunday! Yeah, we're gonna Sunday, do Bloody Sunday. Bloody Sunday! Anyway, I shouldn't be shouting that in fucking of Ireland. So my sources are pretty much predominantly Wikipedia, and then I listen to a couple of podcasts which I can't remember the name of, but I'll go back and put them in here. So, um, yeah. the city of Derry was perceived by many Catholics and Irish nationalists in Northern Ireland to be the epitome of what was described as fifty years of unionist, unionist misrule. Despite having a nationalist majority, gerrymandering ensued elections to the city corporation always returned a unionist vote. So a lot of people don't know, but like there was a period of time where it was like one vote per household. And that was particularly just to stop Catholics voting because Catholics had more children and they outnumbered Protestants. So that was like one of the laws up here in, uh, up okay. in the north of Ireland. The city was yeah. perceived to be deprived of public investment. Most motorways were not extended to it. A university was opened in a smaller Protestant majority town of Coleraine rather than Derry. Above all, um, the city's housing stock was in generally per state. Derry therefore became, and so there is a whole thing where people call Derry London Derry and Derry, it's called Derry. Like, no, fuck off. And also, remember when we, that job we yes. used to work in that I won't mention? Um, Remember, we people would ring like, up and they'd be like, "You'd be like, oh, you're from is your address Derry?" And they'd be like, "London Derry." Like, yeah, whatever. Whatever. Um, whatever. Derry therefore became a major focus of the civil rights campaign led by organisations such as the Northern Ireland Civil Rights Association, which is the NICRA, in the late 1960s. It was the scene of a major riot known as the Battle of Bogside in August 1969, which pushed the Northern Ireland administration to ask for military support. While many Catholics initially welcomed the British Army as a neutral force, because that is how it was presented, in contrast to the Royal Ulster Constabulary or the RUC, which was regarded as a sectarian police force. So that's the other thing. If you were a member of the RUC, you were not a Catholic. So um, they yeah. only hired Protestants. They didn't hire Catholics. So the RUC was seen very much as like uh, a police force that literally just was to keep Catholics in their place. Um, and the and yeah, the British okay. Army were then kind of put forward as like a neutral force and they were like, well, they're not the RUC and they're just here to keep peace. Um, relations between the British Army and the Protest the Catholics of Derry just soon deteriorated and they realised that it was the same situation just with a different name. In response yeah. to the rising levels of violence across Northern Ireland, internment without trial was introduced on the 9th of August in 1971. So um, this is a big turning point in terms of the troubles because it meant 
like in in innocent people were just put in prison. So there is a number of stories that we probably would tell yeah. in this podcast at some point, uh, like of like people exactly who were just put in prison for just being in the wrong place at the wrong time, and that they were Catholic for literally just religiously just being Catholic. They're yeah. like, get in jail. Um, there was disorder across the region following the introduction of internment, with twenty one people being killed in three days of violence. In Belfast, soldiers of the Parachute Regiment were shot dead. 11 civilians in what? No, sorry. In Belfast, soldiers of the Parachute Parachute Regiment shot dead 11 civilians in what would become known as the Ballymurphy Massacre. On the 10th of August, Bombardier Paul Shaliner became the first soldier to be killed by the Provisional Irish Republican Army in Derry when he was shot by a sniper in the Cregan Housing Estate. A month after internment was introduced, a British soldier was shot dead. A British sh- soldier shot dead a 14-year-old Catholic schoolgirl called Annette McGavin in Derry. And two months later, Kathleen Thompson, a 47-year-old mother of six, was shot dead in her own back garden in Derry by the British Army. Also, so there had been this like period of time where there was unrest, but the British Army were just like shooting innocent civilians. Um, like it, it's insane to think that they were literally pointing guns at random people and shooting. Well, you've got them. a fourteen, you've Just got kids. Them. Like that fourteen-year-old and that Annette McGavin is fourteen years of age and she's a school child. Fourteen years old. Um, fourteen. Forty-seven-year-old Kathleen Thompson had six, six children without and a mother. She shot in her own back garden. Like, what was what? What did they think she was? What kind of threat did they think she was? fuck me but then you have to think isn't it crazy the way you give these people an ounce of power and an ounce of this idea that they're above other people and this is how they behave look at Palestine um fucking so IRA activity also increased across Northern Ireland with 30 British soldiers being killed in the remaining months of 1971 in contrast to the 10 soldiers killed during the pre-internment period of the year a further six soldiers had been killed in Derry by the end of 1971, and at least 1,332 rounds were fired at the British Army, who also faced 211 explosions and 180 nail bombs. Um, and they had fired 364 rounds in return. Both the provisional IRA and the official IRA had built barricades and established no-go areas for the British Army and the RUC in Derry by the end of 1971. 29 barricades were in place to prevent access to what was known as Free Derry. 16 of them were impassable even to the British Army. One-ton armoured vehicles, so they couldn't get like their um, uh, tanks through. That's how like big these barricades were. Uh, were put up like they just couldn't get past them IRA members openly mounted roadblocks in front of the media and daily clashes took place between nationalist youths and the British Army at a spot known as Agro Corner which I just think is so Irish like we're so passive in our language Agro like, Corner we're killing each other and yeah, we're like, yeah, yeah. Agro Corner and it's like I don't think it's, but it's like we we call it we call a civil war yes. the troubles like, it's just so passive. It's so incredibly passive. Bit of trouble. Bit of trouble. Trouble of the north there. Um, so that was known as Agro Corner. And due to the rioting and incendiary devices, an estimated four million pound worth of damage had been caused to local business in that area alone. 
fuck me. On the 18th of January. Like, imagine how much money that is. Yeah, that's insane. On the 18th of January 1972, the Northern Irish Prime Minister, Brian Faulkner, banned all parades and marches. So anybody who doesn't know the history of the North, parades are are a big problem, shall we say, and we're a big problem. So parades are generally held by the Protestant side and they will go and do a parade through Catholic areas. And they quite often, it's like, Mm -hmm. there's a drum drum brigade and like they play like flutes and like music of like literally when people used to come in to like invade catholic areas that's what they play uh, marches are yeah. the other side yeah. so that's the catholic side and marches are quite often there's no music involved there's no like pageantry to it it's literally just a march where people are like fighting for the rights or like looking for some form of recognition so on both sides both of them are banned um Four days later, in defiance of the ban, an of the ban, an anti-internment march was held at McGalligan's stand uh, near Derry. Protesters marched to an internment camp, but were stopped by soldiers of the parachute re- regiment. When some protesters threw stones and tried to go around the barbed wire, paratroopers drove them back by firing rubber bullets at close range and making baton charges. The paratroopers badly beat a number of protesters and had to be physically restrained by their own officers. These allegations of brutality by paratroopers were reported widely on television and in the press. And some of the British army also thought that there was had been undue violence by the paratroopers. So there was like commentary where they were like, that just wasn't an appropriate level of force. Um, yeah, yeah. The NICRA intended to hold another anti-internment march in Derry on the 30th of January. So this is what, like 20 something days later, the authorities decided to allow it to proceed in in the bog side, but to stop it from reaching Guildhall Square, as planned by the organisers, to avoid rioting. A Major General Robert Ford, then commander of the land forces in Northern Ireland, ordered the 1st Battalion, the Parachute Regiment, one para is what they were called, should travel to Derry to be used to arrest rioters. The arrest operation was codenamed Operation Forecast, and the Savile Report criticised Ford for choosing the parachute regiment for the operation, as it already had a reputation for being excessive in its physical violence. March organiser and MP Ivan Cooper had been promised beforehand that no armed IRA members would be near the march. So he was like, he said, we're going to hold this march. We want it to be peaceful. We want, we don't want us to in any way incite anything. So he worked with the IRA and we're like, there'll right. be no IRA members to be near and no armed IRA members. So there would definitely be members, but no one carrying any weapons. Although Tony Garrity right. wrote that some of the stewards were probably IRA members. There's no probably about it. They definitely were. This is 1972 in the yeah. north of Ireland in a oh, Catholic no, area. There 100% yeah. was, but the promise was that there wouldn't be any arms, not that there wouldn't be any IRA members. The paratroopers arrived in Derry on the morning of the march and took up position. Uh, Brigadier, Brigadier McLillan yep. was the operational commander and the issue and issued the orders from E. Britton Barracks. He gave the orders to Lieutenant Colonel Derek Wilford, commander of the One Para. He in turn gave orders to Major Ted Loden, who commanded the company who would launch the arrest operation. 
The protesters planned on marching from Bishop's Field into the Craigan housing estate to the Guild Hall into the city centre, where they would hold the rally. The march set off at about 2.45pm, and there were about between 10,000 and 15,000 people on the march, with many joining along its route. Lord Widgery, in, in his now discredited tribunal, said that there were only 3,000 to 5,000. So he said that there was much lower, but there wasn't. There was about 15,000 people on this march. March made its way along William Street, but as it neared the city centre, its path was blocked by the British Army's barriers. The organisers redirected the march down Rossville Street, intending to hold the rally at Free Dairy Corner instead. However, some broke off from the march and began throwing stones at the manned barriers. Soldiers fired rubber bullets and CS gas and water cannons. But such clashes clashes between soldiers and youths were common and and observers reported that the rioting was no more violent than usual. Like it was just throwing of items. There wasn't like... I know people are probably Excessive people are probably violence. listening to this to be like, well, that sounds violent. If you grew up looking at like footage of the North, like children would throw stuff at soldiers. Like, yeah, it wasn't like they would throw like little rocks and stuff like that. Like that's that what con- considering what the other violence was that was happening. Yeah. That's really nothing. Some of the crowd spotted the paratroopers occupying a derelict three-story building overlook William overlooking William Street. And they began throwing stones up at the windows. At about 3.55pm, these paratroopers just opened fire. Civilians Damon Donaghy and John Johnson were shot and wounded while standing on waste ground opposite the building. These were the first shots fired. The soldiers claimed Donaghy was holding a black cylindrical object. But the the Savile inquiry concluded that all of those shots were unarmed. So these two men had no weapons. Nothing. Nothing. At 4.07 p.m., the paratroopers were ordered to go through the barriers and arrest rioters. The paratroopers on foot and in armoured vehicles chased down people through Rossville Street and into Bogside. The two, two people were knocked down by the vehicles. McLellan had ordered that only one company of paratroopers be sent through the barriers on foot and that they should not chase people down Rossville Street. Wilford disobeyed this order, which meant that there was no separation between rioters and peaceful marchers because pretty much on one side there was peaceful marchers and on the other side was people throwing stones and rocks and they had kind of separated as a group. They were the main claims of paratroopers beating people, clubbing them with rife butts, firing rubber bullets with them at close range, making threats to kill and hurling abuse. The Savile report agreed that the soldiers used excessive force when arresting people, as well as seriously assaulting them for no good reason while in their custody. One group of the paratroopers took up position at a low wall about 80 yards in front of a rubble barricade that stretched across Rossville Street. There were people at the barricade and some were throwing stones at the soldiers, but they were not, they were not near enough to hit any of them. The soldiers fired on the people at the barricade, and when I say fired, this wasn't rubber bullets. They fired on these people, killing six and wounding seven. Jesus Christ. A large group of people fled or were chased into a car park of Rossville Flats. This area was like a courtyard. It was surrounded on three sides by high-rise flats. The soldiers opened fire, killing one civilian and wounding six others. The fatality of Jack Duddy, 
was running alongside a priest, Edward Daly, when he was shot in the back. So that's that really famous picture. Famous picture, yeah, where he has the, uh, with the blood covered white flag holding it up to get him to stop. Another group of people fled into the car park of Glenfada Park, which was also surrounded by flats. Here the soldiers were shot at. Uh, here the shoulders shot at people across the car park, about 40 to 50 yards away. Two civilians were killed and at least four others were wounded. The Savile report says it is probable that at least one soldier fired randomly at the crowd from the hip. So he was just shooting like fucking willy-nilly. The paratroopers went through the car park and out the other side. Some soldiers went out the, somewhere, the southwest corner where they shot dead two more civilians. The soldiers then went on to southwest to southeast corner and shot four more civilians, killing two. At about ten minutes, at about ten minutes had elapsed between the soldiers drove into Bogside and the time the last of the civilians was shot. More than a hundred rounds were fired by the soldiers. There was no warning given for the soldiers' open fire. Some of those shot were given first aid by civilian volunteers. Either on the side, either on the scene, or after being carried into nearby houses, so people started to come out and pull people into their homes um, to stop them being killed, and then yeah. also people started to come out and pull people into their homes that needed first aid. Yeah. They were then driven to hospital, either in civilian cars or in ambulances. First ambulance ambulance arrived at four twenty eight p.m. The three boys killed at the rubble barricade were driven to hospital by paratroopers. Witnesses said paratroopers lifted the bodies by the hands and feet and dumped them into back of their armoured personnel carrier on top of each other as if they were pieces of meat. They didn't check to see if there was any signs of life. No. The Savile Report agreed that it, that this is an accurate description of what happened, saying that the paratroopers themselves might have felt at risk, but in our view that does not excuse them. In all, 26 people were shot by paratroopers. 13 died on the day and another died of his injuries four months later. The dead were killed in four main areas. The rubble barricade across Rossville Street, the car park of Rossville Flats, the forecourt of Rossville Flats and the car park of Glenfada Park. All of the soldiers responsible insisted they had been shot at and that they had hit a gunman or a bomb thrower. No soldier said he missed his target and hit somebody else by mistake. And the Savile report concluded that all of those shot, all of those shot, were unarmed, and that no none were posing a serious threat. It can. It was also concluded that none of the soldiers fired in response to an attack or a threatened attack by a gunman or a bomb thrower. Next thing I'm going to go through is I'm going to list out the casualties. John Jackie Duddy was 17. He shot as he ran, he was shot as he ran away from soldiers in the car park of Rossville Flats. The bullet struck him in the shoulder and entered his chest. Three witnesses say that they saw a soldier take deliberate aim at the young man as he ran. He was the first fatality of Bloody Sunday. But Savile and Widgery concluded that he was un- unarmed. Michael Kelly was aged 17. He was shot in the stomach while standing at the rubber barricade on Rossville Street. Both Savile and Widgery concluded that Kelly was unarmed and the civil the Savile inquiry concluded that the, that soldier F, so that's the only thing, none of these soldiers were named, shot Kelly. 
Or they were never named. Yeah, it's fucking shocking that they weren't named. Hugh Gilmore, age 17, shot as he ran away from soldiers near the rubble barricade. The bullet went through his left elbow and entered his chest. Widgetry, or, sorry, Widgery acknowledged that a photograph taken seconds after Gilmore was hit corroborated witnesses and reports that he was unarmed. The Savile inquiry concluded that the private under the letter U shot Gilmore. William Nash was age 19. He was shot in the chest at the rubble barricade. Three people were shot while apparently going to his aid, including his own father, Alexander Nash. And he died on the ground by himself. John Young was age 17. He was shot in the face at the rubble barricade, apparently while crouching and going to aid William Nash. So the guy we've just spoken about up above. Michael McDade was age 20. He was shot in the face at the rubble barricade, apparently while crouching and going to aid William Nash. Kevin McKinley, McKinney was age 17. He was shot from behind. He was near the rubble barricade while attempting to crawl to safety. James Jim Ray was age 22. He was shot in the back while running away from soldiers in Glenfadden Park Courtyard. And he was then shot again in the back as he lay mortally wounded on the ground. Witnesses who were not called. So they went back and shot again. They went back and shot again. Sake. Witnesses who were not called to the Widgery Tribunal stated that Ray was calling out that he could not move his legs before he was shot a second time. The Savile Inquiry concluded that he was shot by Soldier F. William McKenney was aged 26. He was shot in the back as he attempted to tr- flee through Glenfada Park Courtyard. The Savile Inquiry concluded that he was shot by Soldier F. Gerard Jerry McKinney was age 35. He was shot in the chest at Abbey Park. A soldier identified as Private G ran through an alleyway from Glenfeather Park and shot him from a few yards away. Witnesses said that when he saw the soldier, McKinney stopped, held up his arms, shouting, don't shoot, don't shoot, before being shot. The bullet apparently went through his body and struck Gerard Donaghy behind him. Gerard Jerry Donaghy was age 17 and he was shot in the stomach at Abbey Park while standing behind Gerard McKinney. Both were apparently struck by the same bullet. Bystanders, bystanders brought Donaghy to a nearby house. A doctor examined him and his pockets were searched for identification. Two bystanders then attempted to drive Donaghy to a hospital but the car was stopped at a British Army checkpoint. They were ordered to leave the car, and the soldier then drove it to a regimental aid post where an Army medical officer pronounced Donaghy dead. Shortly after, soldiers soldiers found four nail bombs in his pocket. However, the civilians who searched him and the soldier who drove him to the army post and the army medical officer all said they did not see any bombs. Amazing. It's, it's almost like they just planted the evidence. This led to a claim that the soldiers planted the bombs Donaghy, to justify their killings. Yep. Patrick Donaghy was age 31. He was shot from behind while attempting to crawl to safety in the forecourt of Rossville. The Savile Inquiry concluded that he was shot by Soldier, soldier F when, when, who came out of Glenfeda Park. Doherty was photographed moments before and after he died by a French journalist called Gilles Perez. Despite testimony from Soldier F that he had shot a man holding a pistol, 
Widgery acknowledged that the photograph showed Darnie was unarmed and the forensic tests on his hands for gunshot residue proved negative. Bernard Barney McGuigan, age 41, was shot in the back of the head when he walked out from cover to help Patrick Doherty. He had also been wait- he had also been waving a white handkerchief to indicate his peaceful intentions. The Savile inquiry concluded that he was shot by Soldier F. John Johnston. This Soldier F yes. dude was having fuck me. John Johnston was age fifty nine. He was shot in the leg and left shoulder on William Street fifteen minutes before the rest of the shooting started. Johnston was not in the march, but was on his way to visit a friend in Glenfada Park. He died on the 16th of June, 1972, and his death was attributed to the injuries he received on the day. He was the only fatality not to be immediate, not to die immediately or soon after being shot. Thirteen people were shot and killed, and another and another wounded man dying subsequently, which was which his family believed was from his injury suffered on that day, which is who we just talked about above, John Johnston. Apart from the soldiers, all yeah. eyewitnesses, including marchers, local residents, and British and Irish journalists presence, present, maintained that the soldiers fired into an unarmed crowd or were aiming at fleeing people and those helping the wounded. No British soldier was wounded by gunfire or bombs, nor were any bullets or nail bombs recovered back up to back up their claims. The British Army's version of the events, outlined by the Ministry of Defence and repeated by Home Secretary Reginald Malding in the House of Commons the day after Bloody, Bloody Sunday, was that the paratroopers returned fire at the gunmen and bomb throwers. Bernadette Devlin, the Irish Independent, the Independent Irish Socialist Republican member of the Parliament for Mid Ulster, slapped Maudling for his comment and was temporarily suspended yeah, from did. Parliament. Having seen the shootings firsthand, she was infuriated that the Speaker of the House of Commons, Salwyn Lloyd, reportedly denied her the chance to speak about it in Parliament, although. Convention decreed that any MP witnessing an incident under discussion would be allowed to do so. On Wednesday, 2nd of February, 1972, tens of thousands attended the funeral of 11 of the victims. In the Republic of Ireland, it was observed as a national day of mourning and there was a general strike, the biggest in Europe since the Second World War relative to its population. Memorial services were held in Catholic and Protestant churches, as well as synagogues throughout the Republic, while schools closed and public transport stopped. Large crowds had been besieging the British Embassy on Merrion Square in Dublin, and the embassy staff had to be evacuated. That Wednesday, tens of thousands of protesters marched to the embassy and 13 symbolic coffins were placed outside the entrance. The Union Jack was burnt and the building was attacked with stones and petrol bombs. The outnumbered Gardaí tried to push back the crowd, but the embassy was burnt down. Anglo-Irish relations hit one of the one of their lowest ebbs with the Irish Minister for Foreign Affairs, Patrick Hillary, going to the United Nations Security Council to demand the involvement of UN peacekeeping force in the North of Ireland conflict. 
Harold Wilson, the then leader of the opposition in the House of Commons, reiterated his belief that the United Ireland was the only possible solution to the Northern Ireland's troubles. William Craig, the then Stormont Home Affairs Minister, suggested that the West Bank of Derry should be ceded to the Republic of Ireland. And on the 22nd of February 1972, the official IRA attempted to retaliate for Bloody Sunday by detonating a car bomb at Albershop Military Barracks headquarters of the 16 Parachute Brigade, killing seven of their ancillary staff. Inquest into the deaths was held in August of 1973, and the city coroner's Hubert O'Neill, a retired British Army major, issued a statement at the completion of the inquest. He declared the following. This Sunday became known as Bloody Sunday, became Bloody Sunday and Bloody It Was. It was quite unnecessary. It strikes me that the army ran amok that day and shot without thinking what they were doing. They were shooting innocent people. These people may have been taken part in a march that was banned, but that does not justify the troops coming in and firing live rounds indiscriminately. I would say without his hesitation that it was it was sheer unadulterated murder. It was murder. Several months and he's right and he should say Several months after Bloody Sunday, one para again under Lieutenant Lieutenant Colonel Wilford's command were involved in another controversial shooting incident. On the 7th of September, paratroopers raided the headquarters of the Ulster Defence Association, mm-hmm. so the UDA, and houses in the Shankill area of Belfast. Two Protestant civilians were shot dead and others were wounded by paratroopers who claimed they were returning fire at loyalist gunmen. This sparked angry demonstrations by local Protestants and the UDA declared, never has Ulster witnessed such such licensed sadists and such blatant liars as the first paras. These happy gun louts must be removed from the streets. A unit of the British Army's Ulster Defence Regiment refused to carry out duties until one para was withdrawn from the Shankill. At the end of 1972, Wilford, who was directly in charge of the soldiers involved in Bloody Sunday and Shankill, was appointed an officer of the Order of the British Empire, which is an OBE, Oh my God. Two days after Bloody Sunday, the British Parliament adopted a resolution for a tribunal into the shootings, resulting in Prime Minister Edward Heath commissioning the Lord Chief Justice Lord Widgery to undertake it. Many witnesses intended to boycott a tribunal as they lacked faith in Widgery's impartiality, but many were eventually persuaded to take part. Widgery's report... Widgery... I think I'm pronouncing his name right. I couldn't give a fuck because he's a cunt. Uh, quickly <laughs> produced a report, completed within 10 weeks and published within 11 weeks on the 19th of April. It supported the British Army's account of the events of the day. It stated that the soldiers returned fire at gunmen and bomb throwers. It said that none of the deceased or wounded is proved to have been shot whilst handling a firearm or a bomb. Some are wholly acquitted of complicity in such actions, but there is strong suspicion that some others had been firing weapons or handling bombs. Among the evidence presented in the tribunal were the results of paraffin tests used used to identify lead residues from firing weapons and that nail bombs had been found in the body of one of those killed. 
Tests for traces of explosives on the clothes of 11 of the dead proved negative, whilst those of the remaining men could not be tested as they had already been washed. It has been argued that the firearms residue on some victims may have come from the contact with the soldiers, given the fact that they were lying on the fucking ground when some of them shot them at close range. Yes. Jesus. And also some of the soldiers who had moved some of the bodies uh, or that led to residue on the hands of one James Ray was easily explained by the fact that his occupation included using lead-based solder, which Ray held the March organisers completely responsible, concluding that there would have been no deaths if, it, if those who organised the illegal march had not thereby created a highly dangerous situation. This motherfucker. Yeah. Wittery stated there was no evidence that the paratroopers were sent to flush out any IRA gunman in the bog side or to punish its residents for opposing the British Army. The Savile in- Inquiry also trawled classif- classified documents and found no evidence of such plan, but it said it is, of course, possible for plans to be hatched in secret and kept out of documents. Most witnesses... Most witnesses to the event disputed the report's conclusion and regarded it as whitewash. The slogan was, Widgery washes whiter. A play on the contemporary advertisement for Daz Soap. I love the Irish. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, oh, and it was God. like sprayed <laughs> on walls all over De- Derry. Um, it crystallized the views of many nationalists about the report. In 1992, British Prime Minister John Major, replying to John Hume's request for a new public inquiry, said, The government made clear in 1974 that those who were killed on Bloody Sunday should be regarded as innocent of any allegation they were shot whilst handling firearms or explosive. Like, what? Major was succeeded by Tony Blair, Blair's chief aide, Jonathan Powell, later described Widgery as a complete and utter whitewash. In 1998, during the latter stages of the Northern Ireland peace process, Prime Minister Blair agreed to hold a public inquiry into Bloody Sunday. The inquiry was chaired by Lord Savile. It was established in April of 1998, and other judges were John Toohey and former Justice of High Court Australia, who had worked on Aboriginal issues, he replaced New Zealander Sir Edward Somers, who retired from the inquiry for two, in 2000 for personal reasons. His name was William Hoyt. Former Chief Justice of New Brunswick and a member of the Canadian judicial system, the inquiry heard testimony at the, at the Guildhall in Derry from March 2000 until November of 2004. The Savile inquiry was much more comprehensive than the Widgery Tribunal. It interviewed a wide range of witnesses, including local residents, soldiers, journalists, and politicians, and reviewing large amounts of photographic and uh, video footage. Lord Savile declined to comment on the Wittery report and made made the point that this was a judicial inquiry into Bloody Sundry, not the Wittery Tribunal. Colonel Wilford expressed anger at the decision to hold the inquiry and said he was proud of his actions on Bloody Sunday. Two years later, in 2000, Wilford said, there might have been things wrong in the sense that some innocent people, people, were not car- people who were not carrying a weapon, were wounded or even killed. But that was not done as a deliberate or malicious act. It was done as an act of war. 
In 2007, General then Captain Sir Mike Jackson, uh, who was a part of the one para on Bloody Sunday, said, I have no doubt that innocent people were shot. This was in sharp contrast to his instance for more than 30 years that those who had been killed had been innocent. So he'd constantly said that, had not been innocent. But now he was like, I have no doubt. He was contradicting himself. One former paratrooper testified that the lieutenant told them the night before Bloody Sunday, let's teach these buggers a lesson. We want some kills tomorrow. He did not see anyone with a weapon nor hear any explosions. And some fellow soldiers were trilled and were shooting out of bravado or frustration. The paratrooper said several soldiers fired their own personal supply of dum-dums, which were banned, and that one fired 10 dum-dums into a crowd, but as he still had his official quota, he got away with it saying he never fired shot. So, like, they were putting their own bullets into these guns. Furthermore, the paratrooper said his original statement to the Widgery inquiry was torn up and was replaced by one bearing no relation to fact. Many observers... These motherfuckers... Many observers allege allege that the Ministry of Defence acted in a way to impede the inquiry. Over 1,000 army photographs and original army helicopter video footages were never made available. Furthermore, guns used by the soldiers on Bloody Sunday, which could have been made evidence in the inquiry, were lost by the MOD. The MOD claimed all guns had been destroyed, but some were later recovered in various locations, such as Sierra Leone and Beirut, despite the obstruction. Uh, By the time the inquiry had retired to write up its findings, it had interviewed over 900 witnesses over seven years, making it the biggest investigation in British legal history. It also was the longest and most expensive, taking 12 years and costing £195 million. The inquiry was expected to report in late 2009, but it was delayed until 2010 due to the general elections. The report of the inquiry was published on the 15th of June 2010 and it concluded the following. The firing by soldiers of one para on Bloody Sunday caused the deaths of 13 people and injury to a similar number, none of whom was posing a threat or causing death or serious injury. It stated that British paratroopers lost control, shooting fleeing civilians, those who had tried to help the wounded. The civilians had not been warned by soldiers and they intended to, that they intended to shoot. Contrary to the soldiers' claims, they reported the report concluded that victims were unarmed, no nail bombs or petrol bombs were thrown. None of them fired in response to attacks or threatened to attack or threatened attacks by a nail or petrol bombers. It stated that while some soldiers probably fired out of fear and recklessness, others did not. And they fired at civilians they knew were unarmed. The report stated that soldiers had conceited lies in attempted in attempting to hide their acts. Soldier H, who fired the most bullets, claimed to have fired 19 separate shots at a gunman gunman behind a frosted glass window, but missed each time and suggested all the bullets had gone through the same hole. Like, have you you ever heard the light? Yeah. What? Oh... The inquiry concluded that the official IRA sniper positioned in a block of flats fired one round at a British soldier who were at the Presbyterian church on the other side of William Street. The bullet missed a soldier and hit a drain pipe. The inquiry concluded that it was fired shortly after the British shoulder had shot Damien Donaghy, so it was not the IRA that shot the first. Uh, 
the no. first book. And John Johnston in this area. It rejected the Cypress account that he had fired in reprisal and concluded that he and another official IRA member had already been in position and probably fired simply because the opportunity presented itself. The inquiry also concluded an official IRA member fired a handgun at a British APC, APC from behind a gable wall near Roswell, Roswell Flats, but there is no evidence the soldier noticed this, and the IRA member said he fired three rounds in anger after seeing civilian shot. He was seen by Father Edwards Daly and others who shouted at him to stop. Martin McGuinness, a senior member of Sinn Féin and the later and later the Deputy Fire Minister of Northern Ireland stated in his testimony in his testimony that he was second in command of the Provisional IRA Dairy Brigade and was at the march. Paddy Ward told the inquiry he was the local leader of Fina Aaron, the IRA youth wing, in January 1972. He claimed that McGuinness and another unarmed IRA member gave him a bomb detonators on the morning of Bloody Sunday with the intent to attack premises in Derry City that day. McGuinness rejected these claims as fantasy, while Jerry O'Hara, the Sinn Féin councillor in Derry, stated that he, not Ward, was the FINA leader at the time. So he was saying that he was the leader and none of this happened and that this guy was just fabricating the whole thing. The inquiry was unsure of McGuinness's movements on the day, and it is stated that while he had probably been armed with a Thompson submachine gun, there is insufficient evidence to state whether he fired, but concluded, we are sure that he did not engage in any activity that provided any of the soldiers with any justification for opening fire. So I'm coming to the end, I promise. I know this is long. Um, no, I love this. I'm, I'm this. We need to hear this. This is really fucking needed right now to be honest with you regarding the soldiers in charge on bloody sunday the inquiry arrives at the following findings lieutenant lieutenant colonel derek wilford commander of one para and directly responsible for the arrest operation found to have deliberately disobeyed his superior brigadier patrick mcclellan by sending support company into the bog side without informing mcclellan Major Ted Loden, commander in charge of support company, following orders from Lieutenant Colonel Wilford, cleared of misconduct. The report stated that Loden neither realized nor should have realized that his soldiers were or might be firing to people who were not posing a threat. The inquiry found that Loden could not be held responsible for these claims, whether malicious or not, by some of the soldiers that that they had received received fire from snipers so pretty much he thought what the soldiers were saying was true and colonel wilford also didn't tell him to stop so he's not responsible yeah 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 captain mike jackson of one para on bloody sunday was cleared of all sinister actions for compiling the load and list of engagements this was a brief account of what soldiers told Major Loden about why they had fired. The list played a role in the Army's initial explanation. The list did not include soldiers' names. Jackson told the inquiry it was simply a record of shots fired, not an investigative document. While the inquiry found the, com- the compiling of the list was far from ideal, it accepted Jackson's explanation. 
Major General Robert Ford, commander of land forces in Northern Ireland, set the British strategy to oversee the march in Derry, was cleared of any fault, but his choice of one para and in particular his selection of Wilford to be in control of arresting the rioters was found to be disconcerting as one para was a force with a reputation for using excessive physical violence which just ran the risk of exacerbating the tensions between the army and the nationalists um, Pat McLellan, overall operational commander of the day, was cleared of any wrongdoing as he was believed, as he believed Wilford would follow orders by arresting rioters and then returning to base and could not be blamed for Wilford's action. Major Michael Steele with McLellan in operations room and in charge of pass passing on the orders of the day. The inquiry accepted that Steele did not know there was no longer a separation between rioters and peaceful marchers. So he was like completely removed of any responsibility. Lance Corporal F was found responsible for five of the killings on Bloody Sunday. Intelligence, of, and that's it, he didn't, like nothing came of that. Intelligence officers, nothing happened no, to him. Intelligence officers, Colonel Morris Tugwell and Colin Wallace were cleared of wrongdoing. The inquiry concluded that the information Tugwell and Wallace released through the media was not deliberate it was not a deliberate attempt to deceive the public, but rather due to the inaccurate information they had received. Reporting on the findings of the Savile Inquiry in the House of Commons, British Prime Minister David Cameron said, Mr Speaker, I'm deeply patriotic. I never want to believe anything bad about our country. I never want to call it into question the behaviour of our soldiers and our army who I believe to be the finest in the world. And I've seen for myself the very difficult and dangerous circumstances in which we ask our soldiers to serve. But the conclusion of this report are absolutely clear. There is no doubt, there is nothing equivocal. There is no ambiguities. What happened on Bloody Sunday was both unjustified and unjustifiable. It was wrong. Cameron added, you do not defend the British Army by defending the indefensible. He acknowledged that all those who died were unarmed and they were killed and that a British soldier, British soldier had fired the first shot at civilians. He also said that he was not permitted, though there was no point in trying to soften or equivocate. What happened should never, ever have happened. Cameron then apologised on behalf of the British government, saying he was deeply sorry. A survey, a survey by Angus Reid in the Public Opinion in June 2010 found that 61% of Britons and 70% of Northern Irish agreed with Cameron's apology. Stephen Pollard, a solicitor representing several of the soldiers, claimed that the report had cherry-picked evidence and did not have justification for its findings. A murder investigation then took place. Following the publication of the Savile Report, a murder investigation began by the Police Service of Northern Ireland's Legacy Investigation Branch. On the 10th of November 2015, a 66-year-old former member of the Parachute Regiment was arrested for questioning over the deaths of William Nash, Michael Dade and John Young, and he was released on bail shortly after. The Public Prosecution Service for Northern Ireland announced in March 2019 that there was enough evidence to prosecute Soldier F., for the murder of James Ray and William McKenney, both of whom were shot in the back. He was also charged with four attempted murders. The Savile Inquiry concluded, based on the evidence, that Soldier F also killed Michael Kelly, Patrick Doherty and Barney McGuigan. 
but evidence from the inquiry was inadmissible to to the prosecution and the only evidence capable of identifying the soldier who fired the relevant shots came from soldier F's co-accused soldier G who is now deceased Good. Relatives of the Bloody Sunday victims expressed dismay that only one soldier would face trial for the same some of the killings. In September 2020, it was ruled that there would be no charges against any other soldiers. The victims and relatives were supported by the Irish nationalist politi- political representatives. Soldier F received support from some Ulster loyalists and from the group Justice for Northern Ireland Veterans, the Democratic Unionist Party, called for the British soldier to be given immunity from prosecution. The UUP leader and former soldier Doug Beattie said that if the soldiers went outside the law, then they have to face the law. In July 2021, the Public Prosecution Service decided it would no longer prosecute Soldier F because statements from 1972 were deemed inadmissible as evidence. On the 13th of July, 2021, Social Democratic and Labour Party MP Colm Eastwood revealed the name of the soldier F using parliament, parliamentary, par, say for me, thank you. Parliamentary. Parliamentary. I can't do it. I can't do it. Uh, on the 17th <laughs> of July, the Village Magazine published the identity of soldier F and some pictures of him at, this, at the time of the massacre. In March 2022, the High Court overturned the decision not to press charges against Soldier F and ordered the Public Prosecution Service to reconsider the case. The PPS subsequently appealed the court's decision to the Supreme Court of the United Kingdom and there has been nothing on that since. And that is the end of this story. Of something that literally was just a bunch of cunts with guns. Who are like, we're going to murder these people and we're going to murder them because yes. we're going to get away with it. And they did get away with it. Yeah, fully, fully got, away, got away, with away with it. Fully walked away from it to be like, uh, they had rocks and, and stones and that warrants you taking out a machine gun and blowing 13 yeah. people to bits in the middle of the day in fucking Derry. Like, it's fucking insane. Like, and I don't, obviously when I was a kid, I knew about it, but the impact doesn't hit you until you get older when you realize these people were massacred by the yeah, British army. For they couldn't get away. So like when you watch the footage and the footage is really heartbreaking, no. but like they were cornered, like they ended Horrible. up in courtyards flat where there was only one way yeah. in and one way out. And yeah. the British army flanked them. So like there was no way for them to get out. The other, like when you're going through the names and like how they died and what their injuries were, there's like a common team. They were all shot in the back or shot in the head or shot when they were lying down. Yeah, they, were they were running. Away. They were they shot were when they were crouching. They're like, like hiding them, behind barriers. Yeah, some of them are on their like, on their hands and knees, crawl, trying to crawl under things because they're completely unarmed, innocent, have done nothing wrong. And you have a man with a fucking machine gun ready to kill you because he hates you for who you are. Like, um, Jesus, man, the Bloody Sunday is just, it's a lot like... There's actually Jamie Lee O'Donnell from the Derry Girls uh, did a documentary for Channel 4 about mm-hmm. Derry. And she goes to a museum that has uh, paraphernalia Bloody from Sunday. the Sunday, Bloody Sunday murders. And they have, uh, it's awful, they have like a baby grow that's covered in blood. Because when one of the guys was shot, a woman dragged him into her house. And the only thing she had to stem the bleeding was a baby grow. So she wrapped the baby grow around his leg to stop the bleeding, but mm-hmm. he still died. Like... 
those people like Northern Ireland is so traumatized, like so unbelievably traumatized those people. Like, and it's it's not even like people now, kids now growing up, their grandparents and parents are completely traumatized. Yeah, but it hasn't gone away. So, like, I'm obviously on Belfast now, and no, um, one of the guys I work away. with is from he's from Manchester. He's a big take Manchester. Yeah, and he's never Manchester. like he's over here working now, and he was out on Saturday night, and he yeah. was in he ended up somewhere, and people were like, "Where are you from?" And a taxi man pulled over oh God. and was like, get in. And he got in and the taxi man was like, where are you from? And he was like, Manchester. And he was like, you should not be here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he said he was out a couple of nights ago and he was in a pub and he was outside smoking and he was talking to his friend and this and a guy was like, uh, where are you from me? And he was like, Manchester. And he was like, what are you doing here? Um. Oh god, that's so fucking scary! Have, like, Jesus Christ! To like shake his hand when he's like being introduced to them. <sighs> there is that thing, like there is that so thing awesome. of like, like a hundred percent things are like better and it's safe. Um, of course, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Safe, more safe than it ever was, but like there is like when you when I just read what I've just read, you can see why people hate the British. Yeah, where they're like, I don't trust you, and I don't trust the fact that you nothing happened to this. You were um, proven innocent by your own fucking government, proven innocent by your own military, and it's like you guys massacred people. You just shot people to death, as you said, in their backs because they were running away from you because they didn't, they weren't armed. So the distrust of of Britain and the distrust, oh, so the dispro- distrust of English England. I'm not going to lump Wales and Scotland into this. The distrust of England is is prominent in this country. It's prominent in a lot of other countries as well, and most countries that have been colonized by the English Um, that way. It's it's just a thing um, of what it's like for any government. It's the inability to like own up to what you've done, and like fair play for like Cameron for getting up. But like at the same time, like as people from the north, they had had like twenty odd turn near. 30 years yeah. of just being told, like, not you caused this because you went out and marched. Yeah, I've been told that their friends, family and relatives were criminals and and actively should have been shot to death at a parade. Like, I don't know if you saw that footage of when David Cameron gave that apology, there was um, footage in Derry. They put up, like, a massive yeah. television screen and people in Derry were there. And, like, people who whose kids had been murdered people whose fathers had been murdered uncles cousins whatever and like to just see them break down in tears especially men you know men break down in tears and i'm like i can't deal with this but like because they were they were being told no your family they deserve they deserve this they were they were starting stuff they were starting and it's like no these people were innocent completely innocent like oh the world's a nightmare it's better it's better can't yeah. end on a low, Emma. Like, we've just told a story. Things better. I know. But it's just like, you know, when it's like, these things have to, it's not fair that these things have to happen. So something good will happen. It's just not fair. And it's not fair that it's not like one little bad thing. It's like the decimation of families yeah. have to happen. And of culture and of towns. And these things have to happen for like, Everybody's go, okay, maybe uh, maybe we should stop. You know what I mean? 
It's fucked, man. But yeah, very good job. Oh, I'm, my, um, I'm, my I'm angry about like, I'm angry about the past now. It's dead. Whenever I'm doing these stories and I listen um, back, I can yeah. always hear how often I suck the saliva in my mouth. It's so disgusting. That museum is in Derry. If you want to Google it, if anybody is interested, I don't know. What, I don't know if you will be because, like, it's very sad and awful. But it is good for people to know the history and understand why, you know, there's so much fucked up trauma in the north and people are so scared and angry. Like, you know, it makes sense. But um, yeah. So everything's terrible and the world's a nightmare. No, calm and, down. Everything yeah, is not terrible. The world is a nightmare. No, everything there is terrible. People. The world is a nightmare. Everything is awful. When have you got therapy next? Awful, awful. I can't like tomorrow and she's going to hear all of this she's going to want to just put me on mute and be like fuck off Emma I'm fucking like a bitch the last two days so yeah she's going to she's going to get this tomorrow like I don't know man I don't know anyway I hope everyone's okay what did you say? I'm leaving this on a I said I hope everyone's okay I'm leaving this on a fucking downer man I have there's no good in the world oh. um, do you want to see my view? there's no good in the world yes what's it like? It's nice. Oh, it's really pretty. There's the crane. There's the crane over there. The Titanic's over there. I don't know if you can see it because it's kind of hazy. There's the river. Yeah, it's really big river. Has it been raining all day? Fucking awful. And I'm pretty sure everybody in the station. Get your shit. Everybody in the station saw my underpants this morning. Because I was wearing. I'm wearing a skirt. I'm wearing. Did it blow up? It wasn't fucking on me anymore. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, and I haven't even got shorts. You know what I usually I wear like little shorts and I have shorts on. Like I just oh, got, yeah. I have a beautiful on. pair of underpants on. I'm sure everybody was thinking, who the fuck is she? Like, on them too. She is. Herself. <laughs> fuck them. They got it. They got a nice Now, honestly, I what? did have a look at my arse um, when I went into the bathroom to be like, how bad is it? Like, I was like, it actually looks all right. Like, um, it's all right. It's all right. Um, it's okay. Everything's yeah. fine. Very good. Um, but yeah, when I'm you, hoping when to you leave Belfast here? tomorrow, but we'll see. Now, if I leave tomorrow, yeah. it'll be late. And anyway, so, um, but I definitely, like, it's Lily's last yeah, day okay. in school on Thursday. Before four, she starts first class in September. Um, so I have to get her teacher something to say thank you. And then I just want to be there for Lily and Laurie because it's her last day. But whether I get out of here or not is another thing. Well, uh, hopefully I'll see you before, um, before Saturday. Are you flying out on Saturday? Saturday. So hope, yeah, Saturday morning, Saturday morning. Um, So hopefully I'll see you before. uh, Anyway, do you remember the thing you wanted to tell me? Nope, it's gone. Now it's completely gone. I have all these facts about Sunday Bloody Sunday in my head and I'm singing the U2 song <laughs> and uh, I want to burn down I want to burn down the Supreme Court and fuck everything. Okay. That's where I'm at right now. I'm going to order food because I'm really hungry. And I really want ice cream. Are you going to get? like a bouge? Oh, I think, but there's a really nice fish and chips as well now. I might just get room service. Like the only thing about room service is, yeah, yeah but just the food is service. like, oh, it's just like fucking. It's a bit uppity. 
or they have like a blah blah like blah on, blah, this, blah, on blah, the room service menu is fucking chicken liver parfait chicken liver parfait and I'm like I like chicken liver parfait but I don't want to eat in my room no no you don't want to eat that in your room I I about to say that got there before me chronic farts like after that killing you yeah so I don't know I'm hungry but I just don't know what I want and you know what the other thing is about this hotel and this is the thing they need to get their shit together um I rang I was like where do I get the menu for room service and they were like you have to come down and get it and I was like what is the point in room service Ah, if I have to come down and get the menu and she was like well I can tell you what's on the menu why don't they do that thing that hotels you know they have the little QR scan code thing and then you can just check what's on the menu Here's Someone's a bitch! Everything is terrible! What else? <laughs> this is dramatic. Do you want to know what else? What else uh, no, this is a good thing. I finally, uh, because okay. I travel so much now for work and I use this hotel, I'm on, I've got an honor scheme. So I'd be able to get like a hotel cheap for whenever we go somewhere. Um, yeah, Yay! they were like, do you want to be on the honor scheme? Because you spent like fucking 17,000 euro with us in the past fucking four weeks. Price of a fucking hotel. Let's do it. Fucking shocking. Well, we we will abuse the power yeah. and go. They were like, "Do you want to be part of the honor?" And I was like, "Yeah, this is gold under my name." And yeah, I know work are paying for it, but like, you can, yeah, yeah. Pop me um, in there, love. Pop anyway, there, that's love. our hour and forty-one minutes of a, and potentially not yes. if we recorded the of, previous uh, session. If we recorded the remaining stuff, um, but we will be back next week, baby. With more now I'm telling you something for nothing. I hopefully will be in a better mood because I have I have therapy tomorrow. I'll be in a well, I'm telling mood. you something for nothing. If this didn't record, there is no episode this week. No, if this didn't record, you're not getting fucking you leave shit. that in. You're getting so the people nothing. can hear the dedication. Leave, leave it in, Colin. Leave it in. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll see you next week. Everybody, bye, surgeon. Be happy if you can. That's probably a lot to ask of you, but if you can, and if you can help people, <laughs> like help people. Please look, help this people is, look at this. Can you see me on the screen? Uh, look, it's the golden yeah. hour. Golden oh. hour. Golden hour, baby. Anyway, uh, are you ending now? Um, what I say? Yeah, go on. Everybody have fun. Yeah, you stay there because I'll, I'll say goodbye, but I don't, then I want right. to say goodbye to you properly, okay? Okay, bye everybody. Just a phase The mother's milk got sour It fermented with our father's gaze I caught the bride's bouquet Now I'm waiting in the chapel For a fresh coat of paint They say No, I'm not trying to be that bitch I'm just up here trying to make a difference Drinking for the nerve but I'm all It's just a dream, just a dream, but I can't unsee 
what I've seen, what I've seen I'm a killer, I'm a villain, I'm a fiend, I'm a fiend But it's only a dream, it's so I rest my case I can't tell myself it's just a dream, just a dream But I can't unsee what I've seen, what I've seen I'm a killer, I'm a villain, I'm a fiend, I'm a fiend But it's only a dream, Yo, it's only a dream Super villain, origin story. Cause not too long ago, I was just a regular girly. Too preoccupied with boys and spending all of my money. Also, see too material just to cover my body. That's right. Then one night, I had an accident that set me apart. I was exposed to an element and it captured my heart. Yeah, those ill begotten daughters of the glamorous game. Yeah, they gave me a home and let me pick my new name. So I took to the stage just like a knife to an artery. And I gave you my spirit and made this killer a part of me. I'm no Slamming shots at the bar I'm living off cocaine and ecstasy And I'll murder my friends Set up camp with my enemies Till the day I decided to keep the monster inside of me But I can't leave it in its place So I beat my face Tell myself it's just a dream, just a dream But I can't unsee what I've seen, what I've seen I'm a killer, I'm a villain, I'm a fiend, I'm a fiend But it's only a dream, it's only so a dream I rest my case Tell myself it's just a dream, just a dream It's just a dream. Just